So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. This is the song of the week. This video is going to get done for copyright immediately. There will be no money made at any stage on this video. But for you guys, I don't even care. How good is that? For my whole life, I've been listening to that song with the, with the guy's voice, as a girl's voice, actually. It's a... Uh, when I was about 18, 2005, I would go out to a, it was called Saloon, which is the Trelgan's greatest bar, or dirtiest bar, which at the age of 18 is the same thing, I think. And they'd have like a, they'd have an old school night and they'd pump that tequila song. And for whatever reason, 18 year olds loved it. But when we used to dance to it, I don't know if it was a remix or, or what, but, but I'd never heard that Mexican guy's voice. I'd never heard it coming with that real rich Mexicano. It's Spanish, isn't it? It's a Spanish accent. I always get muddled up with the Mexicans. I want to say they speak Mexican, but Mexican's not a language, it's a cuisine. The language is Spanish, and that guy does it well. So, I don't know, I'd been let down for a couple of years playing whatever it was uh, that we were playing. I'm going to say that that's the reason I didn't have as much luck picking up as I could have, because I, I, when you tap into a certain... When you tap into a certain realm of music, which that guy is presenting, I think it gives you a little bit of a strut. I've got a, I've got a Spotify playlist. It's just called Strut. And it's impossible not to. Like, if you put it on, Dire Straits comes on. Bang. Try not to strut. Uh, what else is on there? There's a couple of Bob Dylans, Ain't Talking. That's a, yeah, yeah, honestly, there's a few. Actually, I'll tell you what's on there, just to, to give you a little bit of a taste. Because the truth is, everyone deserves a strut. Especially at the start of the week. I mean, it's a... Uh, towards the end of the week, if you've taken a couple of knocks, the truth is it's it's harder to strut. But we've got a, a love song for Bobby Long, A Tunnel of Love by Dire Straits. Absolutely Sweet Marie, Bob Dylan. Dignity, Bob Dylan. It's All Right, Mark, Bob Dylan. Ain't Talking, Bob Dylan. There's a bit of a bias. Here, we'll mix it up a bit now, though. Anderson Peak, Come Down. That's a good song. Follow Me, Uncle Cracker. Risky song, uh, now that I know the lyrics, now that I know it's about cheating on your wife, you can only play that in certain situations. Um, that sounded that sounded more more cheater, cheatery than it was meant to. I didn't mean when I'm cheating on my wife, because that doesn't happen. I meant uh, when she's not uh, over... Well, to be fair, I've, over, I've overanalyzed that particular song, and there was no need to go into such depth, because the truth is I could play that in any context, and my wife would be perfectly comfortable. So... Um, just pretend that conversation didn't take place. Right place, wrong time. This is a good one. Have you heard have you heard this before? We've already When you're as white as me, sometimes you just gotta tap into some real black music just to mix it up a bit. I think this guy's black. I honestly couldn't even tell you. I'm gonna be paying YouTube. Have you heard this one? Right place, wrong time. Dr. John is the name. I tell you, if you ever need an uplifting tune, just shoot me a message. I'll, uh, I'll send you the playlist. Yeah, I'm not going to let you down. Assuming we have the same music taste, that is. Otherwise, you'll be, you'll be bitterly disappointed. But it doesn't matter. It's, uh, it's horses for courses is what I've always said. I hope your week's been well. 
It's Monday afternoon, it is quarter to three in the afternoon. Jesse's just taken Charlie to the park. I'm gonna say it's 27 degrees outside. It's about 35 in, in this little studio part of the house, but <clears throat> uh, for you guys, this is, this is the commitment I have to the cause. I'm gonna sit up here to an extent. Like if it gets to 43, I might wait until tomorrow and record it then, or even just bring a fan in, to be fair. I mean, there's a, there's a heap of ways you can get around the problems that you might face. And it's all, it's all contextual, isn't it? Like 43 degrees is hot and uncomfortable, but the problem's not as big as a dog I saw at the beach the other day. I took Charlie across to the, the dog beach here in Point Lonsdale, and there was a massive dog just walking along the beach, walked straight into him. He, he was the only kid on the beach. It was the only dog on the beach. And, uh, and this dog, dog walked straight into him. And it's weird when it's your son, because I've told you how I feel when, uh, when my best mate's son pushes my little boy around. I go, hang on a second. Like, I know he's two, but I could take him in a fight. And it doesn't, it, dogs understand less is, is what I imagine. Like, I, I think dogs don't even understand as well as what a young child would. But when a dog walks into your son, immediately your, re your reaction is to want to fight. Both the owner and, and the dog, to be fair. Because, I mean, does it control your dog more effectively? And then the, the owner came up and he's like, mate, is your boy all right? I'm so sorry. I don't know if you noticed, my dog's got no eyes. And I looked at his dog and he was, he was, he was telling me the truth. His dog... Apparently it had a, a glaucoma, is it glaucoma? I wanna say it's called a glaucoma. Two years ago, the dog's seven, glaucoma, had to get its eyes scooped out, which is, um, I mean, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I, I don't know if I, in that situation, I think if it was my dog, I'd probably put it down. Cause sight, to me, it's such an essential part of day-to-day -day life. I mean, I know I've, I've read plenty of, uh, what's that chick, she was deaf, she was blind, uh, Helen Keller. I read her autobiography and it's like, all right, well, you can't just start putting things down because they can't see or they can't hear because some people live really joyful lives. But I don't know, to me, the idea of just rocking without any eyes, especially when you know what it is to have had eyes, I feel like that's a really difficult thing to work to. But the, guy, the dog was, was happy enough, it seemed. I mean, I looked a little embarrassed when I found out it had no eyes. It kind of looked in my direction, smelled in my direction and... Uh, it almost suggested a, a glint of, of, apology, of apology, but um, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't reckon he didn't do it on purpose, and and you can only get that just. You can only really justify that when you see for sure that it had no eyes. Um, the owner scooped them out. It's not the dog's fault. You should be more angry at the dog uh, at the owner than than you should be at the dog. But I don't know. It's a, emotions are a funny thing when your kids are involved, aren't they? I've um I've recently I just got these little. Uh, I, I just went on Amazon last night and I got these lights that are gonna, like the camera is obviously here, but I'm gonna have them side by side, and then in a couple of weeks, it's gonna be like this nice, beautiful light coming in at my face. Uh, mate, I tell you, I'm, I'm not going half-assed for you guys. I'm bringing, I'm bringing the best I can to this game. It doesn't matter to me that 12 people watch this on YouTube. What matters is that it looks good for those 12 people. So uh, each week, subtly, I say, hey, go check it out. Go have a little look at YouTube. It's Tyson Popplestone. I lost a subscriber this week, which was, I mean, when you've got 119 subscribers and a lot of them were from a couple of years ago, you can't afford to be losing subscribers. My friends always say, "No, no, you got to get rid of the, you got to get rid of the fluff, so you can, uh, so people can really enjoy the meat." But I mean, when you've got 119 down to 118, it's it's hard to justify losing any subscriber. But that's that's just the way it is. Can't base your feelings in uh, in subscriber count, can you? It's been a busy week. I was having a little bit of a search through. Uh, I was having a little bit of search through the news just over the last few hours to try and bring you some interesting stories. And I've told you my story about the blind dog, but man, there's there's dogs making headlines all 
over the world at the moment, and some in some pretty uh, in some pretty impressive fashion. Let me tell you about this little dog. Uh, it was a Jack Russell, a dog in Hampshire, has been rescued from rising tides with a sausage attached to a drone. The Jack Russell Terrier, sausage dog at this stage, we'll call it, can't let a good pun go by. If it's the sausage is involved and it's a dog, it's a sausage dog. I promised myself I wouldn't make that because it, it was a cheap shot. There's some things you should take and there's some things you shouldn't. I, I saw a sausage, I saw a dog, I combined the two, regretting it immediately. The Jack Russell Terrier called Millie went missing after coming loose from her lead in Havant, Havant, the Guardian reported. She was found stranded on mud flats near Portsmouth when rising tides swept into three per, sweep her out to sea, prompting a rescue effort to swing into action. Police, firefighters, coast guards tried tirelessly for four days to rescue her, but were left scratching their heads when even kayaking to her wouldn't work. I could tell you for sure that obviously I think if uh, if those mud flats are predominantly mud, there's no need to be kayaking. I think kayaks are fantastic in water, uh, but I think it's basic physics or chemistry, is it? Suggests that, that getting a kayak into mud's not gonna work well. It's like a mouse in, in milk. You know what I mean? The harder, you, the harder you paddle, the more thick it gets, I'm pretty sure. Uh, which is okay for you, because if you, if you sort of stir hard enough, it, it comes out as butter. But uh, in this particular context, I'm not sure that's what you want. You want the dog. The chances of Millie being re reunited with her owner seemed increasingly unlikely when a rescuer had an idea of attaching a sausage to a drone with the hope of tempting her to safety. These are the kind of things I love because the, uh, no, one, no one talks about the response to that particular suggestion when it was first made. Do you know, like the practical ideas had been done. And, and it's funny because you wonder when that particular guy had that idea. I'd say uh, that particular guy, I assume that's a male idea, isn't it? Like anywhere where food's involved in the rescue, you've got to assume it's a male dog. Actually, the name was Millie, which unless it's uh, it's fairly progressive owners, you're going to assume that that's a, uh, that's a female dog. But the uh, a bitch, as it were. It's a, but the guy who's come up with that idea of attaching a sausage to a drone, I respect it, but I also, I also empathise with what he must have gone through when that suggestion came up because the kayak didn't work. Obviously, people had tried to trek to it. And the idea, you've got to have good control with a drone in order to attach a sausage uh, to be able to tempt Millie to, to get out of the mudflats. The chair of the Denmead Drone Search and Rescue Team, so he's a qualified uh, drone user, Chris Taylor. I told you, I hadn't even read that part. It was a man. Chris is usually spelt with a K when it's a woman. This one's with a CH. So I can assume, I can assume it is a man we're talking about. And of course, like sausages. That's it. That's a male idea. There's nothing classy about that. It was a crazy idea, one of the local residents on the beach where we were flying from supplied us with the sausages. I think they were from Aldi. No one, it, do, it doesn't matter. That's a good plug for Aldi though, isn't it? That's a good, that'll make the next ad for sure. I think they were from Aldi. They're obviously not 100% consumed or, or con, concerned with the quality of the meat because I think Aldi being a, a relatively cheap, um, what do you? It's a it's a mass production store. You're not going to be getting little boutique sausages there with 100% beef. Uh, uh, the woman cooked them up for us and attached them to a string. Luckily, the pork dangling plan worked. With the terrier following the sausages toward her rescuers, away from the rising tides for safety. Okay. Okay. So I I thought until that it was just a dumb dog, really. Because until that point just there, it says that the dog just followed the sausage to safety. I thought the dog was completely stuck. 
I thought its leg was stuck and it was gonna bite onto the sausage and as the drone lifted higher, it flew the dog out to safety. Because when you see that a drone's flown in a sausage to save a dog and it's attached to a piece of string, surely you just assume, when I read that article, I, I thought it meant that dog was gonna bite onto the sausage and through its sheer draw strength, was gonna be carried out to safety. But the truth is, it's, it's just a dumb dog. Because all it had to do was walk back to safety. Maybe it had, had enough. Maybe it's over lockdowns. Maybe it's a maybe it's over the uh, the emotional roller coaster of the last two two years. It was just trying to go out in peace. If we haven't got her away from that area, the tide would have come and she would have been at risk of drowning. So it's not even certainty at that point. It was something we had never tried before. The sausages were the last resort, but that's good. Like at least they can acknowledge. Um, that it's never been tried before. But I wonder, there's certain friends of mine that I reckon if they got stuck in a pretty bad place, the only way to get them out of their lounge room could be a sausage attached to a to a drone. He said, we're currently, uh, we certainly would consider using sausages again. Every dog and search operation is always going to be different. But if we were ever in a similar situation again, we would employ the same methods to lure the dog. Dogs aren't fussy, are they? It's not like you're trying to chase a vegan out of a mud flight, like, and they, they're requesting, like, guys, I love your idea, but do you reckon you could just send some tempeh? Some tempeh would be beautiful. If you sent tempeh on string, I'll follow it right out of here. It's just that the sausages are, I'm not 100% sure about the hormones that they've used. The maximum takeoff weight of the drone had to be checked before attaching the sausage for it to make sure it would fly. Once on higher ground, Millie ran away for a second time, leaving her owner, Emma Oaks, worried once again for a safe. Well, the truth is, at this point, you just gotta wonder what Emma's doing wrong. Because they're providing it with sausage, they're providing it with almost everything that it needs, and still the dog runs out. It's been there for a number of days. And for the dog to be rescued, to be brought back to safety, and then to run away again, it's like, okay, well, en enough's enough. Do you know what I mean? I used to have a, a Maltese Shih Tzu, which was it, was, it was relatively blind, still had eyes. I don't know that the glaucomas were that bad, that it needed eye an eye reduction. I was going to say an eye reduction. You can't just get them reduced, can you? You've got to get them removed. But, uh, but even my dog was smart enough just to stay close by. If you can't see, or if you're not an incredibly intelligent dog, just, just go with the basics and, and, you know, I would say, I would say just stay close to your owner is, is my little assessment. But that's, that's just me. Whenever I'm uncomfortable, I just stay near the people who, who sort of know what they're doing. If I'm around people who sort of know what they're doing, I can assume I, I might be relatively safe. It's, Usually are obviously there's uh, there's situations where that's not completely true. When I went to 2015, I went to the Himalayas for a month. I went on a a, a hiking expedition. What I was what I was trying to do was April 2016. I was trying to qualify to to climb Mount Everest, but because I I'd, I'd never climbed mountains before, the the company that I was trying to go with they they wanted insurance. They wanted me to have well they didn't want insurance. They wanted their back covered. They wanted to make sure I could actually climb a couple of mountains before they took me on this big expedition. And so uh, I had no idea how to climb a mountain. Like I'd done hill sprints before when I was training for running, but it's very different to, to climbing mountains with, uh, with crampon. Is it crampons? I should know this stuff now. For a bloke who spent a month climbing mountains in, a, in Nepal, you would, assume, you would assume that you would know what the spikes that you attach to the bottom of your shoe should be called, but I don't, I'm not 100% sure what they were called, but that's okay. Um, but the truth is, I, I I didn't know what I was doing. I was I just stayed with the uh, I stayed with the people who did know. I remember we were climbing up, uh, it was the second mountain, it was called Mount Lobachet, and we were, uh, we were three quarters of the way up the mountain, and all of a sudden we heard a monster crack, and there was a uh, uh, there was an avalanche about 600 metres from us. It was a, 
but when you when you're exposed to a, a like the face of a mountain like that, six hundred meters feels relatively close. It was only small. I say it was an avalanche, but it was like a, it was a baby avalanche. But I, uh, in that situation, you know, you, you got to be you got to be surrounded by people you trust, don't you? Is what I'm saying. I maybe have looked too far into what Millie's done. She's a Jack Russell, which just commonly aren't known to be uh, the smartest dogs going around. But Mill, I reckon all you've got to do in that situation is uh, is just stay with your owner, stay with M. You know what I mean? She can't be that bad. You've got her all worried again. What even happened at the end of that story, though? Miss Oaks, a care home older, uh, owner, told The Guardian, uh, relief just poured over me. Uh, it was fantastic to have her home. Okay, so they got a, that was a bit of a nothing story, really. Honestly, I went into that story thinking what was going to happen was there was going to be a, a sausage attached to a drone, which was flown out to a dog who was waist deep in mud and could not get out, and had such strong jaw strength and a desperation to live that once it bit onto the sausage, it was uh, it was flown to safety. Um, you know, I pictured a, I pictured a, a dog going through the air like like say this is the the drone and this is the string, just sort of getting carried to safety. But it's a it's a far less interesting story and maybe one that didn't deserve to, to be on here today. But that's just um, you know, it's a hit, it's a swing and a miss sometimes. Sometimes the uh, the most important part is having a crack, taking a swing, and that's what we've just done. But we're, it got us both nowhere to be to be true. But at least it, it finished well. It finished well. I uh, I went and caught up with a friend the other day who uh, I think it's called essentially it was like a mini COVID party. My friend he had COVID and he uh, he said Taz don't come around because I'm sick. I said look I want to test my immune system because I talk a big game when it comes to to COVID and when it comes to my health. But what I would like to know is, can I really justify what's going on? Can I really justify how how big a game I'm talking? So so Jesse, me, little Charlie, we went around to his house uh, on Saturday, and uh, he said, when you get here, just just sort of stay through the fly screen and, and we'll just we'll social distance. And we got there, and the emotion got the better of us. I hadn't seen him for a long time, and he came out. and He said, I'll just sort of stay this far away. And then gradually we weaned him down. I said, mate, if you're that far away, you don't have to have your mask on. And and, and so he took it off. And then I said, mate, give us a give us a cuddle. What he didn't realise was I was trying to I was trying to test the old body, which I know it's a risky move if you're 75 and uh, immunocompromised. But I wanted to see if I could handle it. And and the early signs are good. I know it can take a while for the results to really kick in. But this room that I'm sitting in now, it's almost like a sauna. And so the truth is, I, I think the, the heat in this room is melting away the toxins. I'm feeling relatively good. I'm going to go for a run after this podcast. Just going to wait for it to cool down slightly outside. And then once it's cooled down slightly outside, I guess that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the test. I think I honestly think I had it. I think I had it a month ago because uh, there was a bit of, there was about two weeks there where I was a little out of whack. My sinuses were all blocked. Um, couldn't smell. Couldn't really. Well, I'm, I'm sort of making. I was about to say I couldn't taste either, but I think I could. I think I could taste fine. I don't think I've had. I don't think I've actually had um, COVID. I, mud, I muddled up the details a little bit, to be fair. It's funny. I've been giving Jessie a hard time because uh, she she muddles up details fairly regularly with 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 quotes, and uh, most of the time she's an incredibly smart chick. But when it comes to quotes, I don't know. She just she can't she can't seem to do it. We were at the beach the other day, and she was talking about Christmas, and uh, she said to me, "Babe, I absolutely love KKK." I said, sorry, I beg your pardon. Like we're out in public. That's a that's an alt right organisation that is uh, that is heavily frowned upon due to their racial prejudice. And she said, no, no, I just meant Chris Kringle. I said, well, first of all, no one calls Chris Kringle KK. I don't think no one in my family did. 
And I think if you're if you've got a reputation for for being a little bit hit and miss with with your ability to remember quotes, you should just be saying the whole thing. Because if there's a chance that you could be in public telling people you love KKK, I just especially as a relatively conservative kind of a chick, I, I just think it it creates it creates stresses for you that you don't necessarily need. Do you know what I mean? Like if you just went out in public and, and said you loved Chris Kringle, people would smile and think it's beautiful. They might even assume that you, you've got plenty of time and love for your family. But the, the story changes when you, when you change the details. Once she said to me, she goes, all right, let's get this ball on the road. I said, that's not an expression. She goes, what do you mean it's not an expression? I said, well, it's either let's get the show on the road or let's get the ball rolling. She said, no, no, you can use either. You can say either. And I said, well, why is the expression let's get the show on the road? And she goes, it doesn't, it's not the actual expression. I go, well, it is the expression. Like, this is what happens. Sometimes when we're home, around, home alone, there's no one around to support me. She'll speak with such confidence that, um, that I'll start to question myself. Like, there's been plenty of conversations where I'll get to the end of it. And I'm like, actually, can you say let's get this ball on the road? Because let's get this show on the road. It suggests a tour bus. All right, they're packed. They're ready. They're loaded. They're good to go. Let's get the show on the road. Or it's probably more to do with like a, a circus setup, isn't it? Like you're all packed up. You're ready to roll. Hey, let's get the show on the road. Let's get out of here. Let's get the ball rolling. It means the same thing. Let's get the ball rolling. Like if you if you had a small ball at the top of the hill, you rolled that. It gathers momentum. It's on its way down to where it needs to be. I'm not sure that's where that expression actually comes from. But but let's get the ball rolling. Is It's a separate expression. You can't just combine the two. So I don't know. She's got a number of others that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about. But Truthfully, she gets away with a lot when there's not many people around because that she would take so much confidence. She she used to she used to get a hard time uh, for her sleep talking mainly from me, and I recorded her a few nights because I used to tell her some of the things that she would say to me, and uh, and she would wake up and she I didn't say that you you made that up. That's a that's that's not something that's happened. That's not something I would have said. That's not something I think about regularly. I say, well, that's the nature of dreams, sweetie. Like sometimes when you go to sleep, it's actually things in your subconscious which. I don't know, like they're, they're hard to interpret, but it's not necessarily, uh, it's not every day that I, I imagine I'm invisible and can fly to, to Afghanistan just in, in one sort of span. But in my dream, that's a perfectly reasonable consideration. So the idea of a dream needing to make sense or needing to relate to something that you're thinking consciously through the day, I just don't think it really matters that much. But she said to me um, one night, this is years ago now, she went to sleep and she said, hey, sweetie, don't forget to wake me up. I've got a ski race in the morning. Just for context, if you're not in Australia, uh, uh, we're not known for our skiing, really. We've got a couple that sort of poke their heads up at the Winter Olympic Games, but where I live, we're not near mountains, we're not near snow. She doesn't ski, uh, so so you've got to understand it was very it was a very confusing conversation to me. She said, "Hey, just make sure you wake me up. I got my ski race in the morning." I said, "What time does it start, sweetie?" Because I just wanted to take the piss. I wanted to see how far it would go, and with and with absolute conviction, she said, "Well, it starts at 11 a.m." And then she said, "What what time would you think a ski race would start?" And so what I'm, I'm telling you this because sometimes you just need the support of, of some other people because when you're subjected to that kind of treatment, when you're subjected to that kind of confidence, sometimes you can feel like you're in the wrong. When the truth is, uh, uh, she's not a skier. She's got no reason to want to ski. Anyway. Anyway, what do you feel about that? Like, I, I, I think it's quite common. A couple of my mates, a couple of my mates have, uh, they've got wives or partners who, who they muddle up their expressions. There's plenty of them. I wish I had more to share with you because I've got I've got ten years of these now. 
I've got 10 years of story. It's 10 years since we got married, which is which is sort of crazy. I say 10 years. We've been together 13, but we were uh, we met at church. And we were playing the we were playing the Christian card. We didn't have sex till we got married. Which was um it was very painful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's uh have you ever experienced balls the size of basketballs? That <laughs> That's what I experienced. I was about to say that's what we experienced. But she'd be offended for me to tell you she had balls the size of basketballs. And, and to be honest, like she played it pretty cool. But we, I didn't discover this stuff. Because part, when, you, when you're not having sex until you get married, uh, one of the things you've got to be disciplined about is like when you stay in the same bed. Because the truth is, if you've got a little glamour next to you, and you're trying not to have sex with her, and she's interested in your interest, good, that's the worst situation to be. That's the worst situation to be, isn't it? It's like trying to get off chocolate and just sitting in a candy store. Do you know what I mean? Just sit in a candy store and just go, oh, I'll just, I'll just have a little bite. Do you know, <laughs> like, you know, pardon the pun. I'll just have a little taste. That's graphic. I didn't mean that to be as graphic as it, as it just came out. And I never said anything like that. Like, I never, I was never in there and treated. I said, hey, babe, technically we're in the candy store. And give me a little taste. Do you know what I mean? Because it wouldn't have gone down well, I don't think. Sometimes I say things like that now. Um, just when we're trying to have a little cuddle, not even anything sexual, and it turns her off immediately. So I can't imagine. It's weird though. Like when when certain hormones get released from your brain when you're both in them, you can get away with saying some things. Like I, I won't go into too much detail because she's a she's a fairly private person. But the things that you can get away with with saying when you're when you're in the zone. I don't like it when she says, "I love your big nipples." I go, "Sweetie, come on!" Like there's a difference between being being a little sexual, being a little sexy and, and making me self-conscious about the size of my nipples. It's a cold night and it's partly genetic. Do you know, I saw my poppy Bill once with his, with his shirt off on a cold day and uh, here in Australia, Google, I don't know if it was just Australian, it could have been international. Google uh, the Mentos ad. The guy on the Mentos ad, he, he was so excited by the, by the Mentos, he could spin a Frisbee on his nipple. My poppy Bill could spin a frisbee on his nipple. He's 81 years old. That's 81 years of nipple growth. I'm not 100% sure if they stop growing. Because, you know, apparently your nose and your ears, like anything with cartilage, I think it just continues to grow until until the day you die. I don't think nipples, unless they've had something serious done to them, I don't think there's any... Um, there's no evidence that nipple has cartilage in it, is there? I don't think. Because cartilage, it's a lot more... It's a lot stronger. But to be fair, poppy Bill, on this day, it was... They look as though they could have been made of cartilage because they, they weren't bending. Like you, you could, you, I reckon Millie, that dog we referred to earlier, if you tied a sausage to my granddad's nipple off a piece of string, Millie could stand there, hang off that like it was a swing. And, and my poppy bill, he wouldn't even notice because I reckon he, he, used, to be a, he used to be a black belt in judo. So he's got a, a certain resilience to a, a, a certain amount of pain. So I reckon if you had string tied to his nipples with a dog swinging off it, even the shape and the friction of that string wouldn't bother him. Also, unfortunately, I think he maybe has, has a little bit of dementia, unfortunately. I don't, I don't know for sure. He's, he's definitely a little more forgetful. He's definitely a little more forgetful. So, so if it wasn't the pain that sort of that threw him off, it would be, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess, I guess what I was trying to say is, is if he had a dog swinging off string on a sausage on his nipple, uh, maybe he'd forget that that was taking place. I'm not sure. Dementia's, dementia's bad for everyone but the person involved. I told you about my, my wife's grandma. She had dementia, and, and I've never seen a happier person. The dementia ward's one of the most... Expo uh, it's honestly one of the most enjoyable places at an old person's home because 
uh, I don't know. It's just there's a there's an innocent in there. That well, there's two sides of the coin, really. There's an innocent, and then there's a real graphic nature to it because. Uh, the innocence is that the, the, the adults in there, the older people, they start to resort back to either their old ways as children or they just say the most unrefined thoughts from the top of their head. I, uh, I told you about the guy that I'd become relatively good friends with in my mind. He was 85 years old at the nursing home with my wife's grand. And, uh, and one day I went in there and I said, hey, hey Bill, how you doing? And he goes, hey, mate, just fuck off. I said, big Bill... I've been bringing you treats now for six weeks. I've just given you a bag of biscuits and you've just told me to F. Like, what is, what is, what is the reason for that, Bill? And he said, mate, I don't need to justify myself to you. I said, well, to the truthfully, if you want biscuits each time I come here, there has to be a certain level of, of respect going back and forth. You can't just be uh, taking my biscuits and then telling me to F off because you've really misunderstood how this deal is going to work. Uh, but they're the one, they, they're, they're completely happy. I always wonder what it's like for a dementia, a person with dementia, because I, I think they're doing it pretty relaxed, aren't they? Surely, maybe it's frustrating at the start when you when you start to recognise the fact that you're forgetting. But but once you're that, that full-blown gone with dementia, that it's only everybody else who cares about you and loves you uh, that is the problem. I think at that point, you're, you're in a pretty good situation, really. It's hard to comment on it though without knowing. Maybe it's the most frustrating experience that you could possibly have. I don't, I don't know. All I'm saying is that there was a lot of guys in there that were smiling. There was a lot of guys in the old person's home and, and they, were, they were very happy. They didn't seem upset. They didn't seem stressed. They just seemed, they just seemed a little confused. To me, at least. Maybe everything made sense in their own head. One guy asked me if I rocked up there in a horse and cart. The hardest one was I met a guy there and he was... Like he was in the high care part of the nursing home. We were sitting down one day, and I can't remember his name, but but me and this older fellow, we were we were sitting down having a really good chat, and everything he was saying to me just it seemed to make sense. He was like, "Ah, oh, look, uh, apparently, like they put me in this old person's home. They put me in the high care ward, and uh, he's like, it's disappointing because my wife's at home. She doesn't understand it. She doesn't understand why I'm here. She's upset. I'm I'm. He goes, I'm fine, honestly. He goes, I've been trying to explain myself to the." Uh, the nursing staff here to say, look, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm going to be able to adjust and adapt because I'm just worried about my wife. She's not going to be able We've been together for 50 years now. And uh, and she's just going to get lonely. And I said, man, this is crazy. I said, look, let me let me have a chat to him for you. He goes, oh, I really appreciate it. He goes, they're, they're not that interested in hearing from it, though, unfortunately. They're, 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 pretty, uh, they're, they're pretty sound. They're pretty confident in the decision that they've made. He goes, it's obviously my life. And he goes, I just wake up every morning and trying to figure out the best way to get out of here. He goes, I've got to get back to my wife. I said, dude, I'm, this is a joke. And so I went up to one of the head nurses. Like, hey, look, I've been having a chat to this guy for half an hour. And he's telling me, uh, he's telling me his wife's at home. He's t- look, he seems perfectly sound. Like, he, he's got a sound mind. He's remembered all these details. And they go, isn't that crazy? The lady goes, isn't that crazy that he seems like... He goes, mate, his wife died 15 years ago. And I was like, holy shit, this is intense. This is terrifying. I said, I feel sorry for this guy because he's convinced he's at home. He's like, yeah, he gets upset quite regularly. Like, oh my gosh, like what, a, what a shocking version of dementia. That's the one I wouldn't want when you're so convinced that you're fine. Like if you had dementia but you're so convinced that you're fine and you just want to go home to your wife that died 15 years ago, I reckon that's when things start to become a bit more of a problem. Anyway, I thought I was doing the best thing for this bloke. That's the thing. When I start trying to play doctor, when I start pretending that I actually know what's best for everyone else, I take it upon myself. Do you guys ever do that? You find yourself in a situation and... Uh, 
and you start to take control. Really, you're just the person who pretends they have the most confidence and you don't know anything about what's what's going on. Like every time my, my boy falls over, I'll run out and I'll say, hey, Jesse, let me just take care of this. I know what to do. She goes, baby, he's whacked his head pretty hard. I was going to give him an ice pack. I said, hey, sweetie, that's the last thing you want to give a kid with a concussion. You know what I mean? Ice is going to give him a brain freeze and that can't, <laughs> that can't be good. And people like me are annoying because they try and take over situations they know nothing about when someone who might just be a little more reserved or a little more quiet, who could actually help the situation, would, um, you know, would actually be more beneficial, would actually be able to help a little bit more. All right, look at this. I'm going to try... I want to tell you about this uh, mafia fugitive who was arrested after being spotted on Google Street View in Spain. All right, bear with me with this name. Gioacchino, Gioacchino Giamino, Gioacchino Giamino was lying low near Madrid, but another photo on Facebook showing a distinctive scar on his chin confirmed his identity. Facebook's, I tell you. I used to like it. They used to, uh, I used to log on and they would say, hey, is, is this photo you? And I thought, this is incredible. How are they doing that? Like, I thought it was mind-blowing. And I thought it was mind-blowing in a positive way that I would log on and they would go, uh, you know, they would, they, they would just acknowledge that they know that it's either someone who looks a lot like me or it is me. At the start, I thought, this is fantastic. Then I started to hear about this social credit score in China. And I thought, oh, can we just back, can we just back off a little bit? I don't want you to recognize me all the time. But I guess... This is what politicians do as well, isn't it? When they want more access, they say, but look at this mafia guy. Look at Giacchino. A Sicilian mafia fugitive who was on the run for nearly 20 years was caught after being spotted on Google Street View. Gemino, 61, he doesn't understand facial recognition. When you're 61-year-old Spanish guy, you're, uh, you're going around analog. Do you know what I mean? I bet you he's got a wristwatch on. I actually can't see. He might have it on his right hand and it's hidden by the neck of the person that he's talking to. Uh, but he's not hes not aware of the fact that Google Maps could spot you. After a picture showed a man resembling him chatting outside a fruit shop, police suspected he was in the country, but, he'd been but they'd been unable to find him. The photogram, I think that meant to say photograph, is it? The photograph helped us to confirm the investigation we were developing in traditional ways, said Nicola Altiero. Deputy Director of Italy's Anti-Mafia Unit. Jimino was going by the name of Manuel, according to Italia's La Repubblica newspaper, and had previously worked as a chef at a restaurant called La Cocina de Manu, Manu's Kitchen. A Facebook profile for the now-closed restaurant revealed a photo of Gamino. I bet that was COVID that shut that restaurant down as well. Italy got smacked, didn't they? I'm not sure what they did with lockdowns, but I bet that's what it is. Recognised by the scar on the left side of his chin, and the business even offered a Sicilian dinner. What does that mean? By scar on his left chin. And the business even offered a Sicilian dinner. I don't know what that means. The street view that proved his downfall also shows him outside another establishment bearing his fake name, Al Huerto. He was investigating 1980s by a renowned anti-mafia judge, Giovanni Falcone, later killed in a bomb attack. This is the thing with these... Uh, uh, it's interesting this this underworld scene a little bit because uh, Melbourne is is quite well known for the underworld scene here. We've got a couple of uh, we've got a couple of gangsters just roaming the streets of Melbourne. It's weird as well. I think there's been a there's been a TV show here which is really, it's really uh, it's really pumped up what it means to be a gangster, and I think here we we still high five like we still. Uh, we still look at these particular people. We still look at people in the scene of the underworld and, and celebrate 
some of what they're doing. Rightly so. I think it's a, I don't know what it is. There's something nostalgic. There's something romantic about the Italian gangsters, I think. I went to a boxing match one night and uh, I was there with my Uncle Phil. We are sitting there and I, I didn't realize, he was trying to rub shoulders with these big guys and he, he introduced me to a bloke later in the night. He goes, Tyson, this is Mick Gatto. He, put on, he always puts on this Italian accent when we're sitting there. He goes, Tyson, this is Mick Gatto. Uh, Mick, is a Tyson Bubblestone. Uh, enjoy. And I'd heard stories about Mick Gatto and there was some, there was some restaurants in Melbourne. He, uh, there was one restaurant in Melbourne. It's, uh, it's no longer there. Just off Ligon Street. That's the old. That's the old Italian place. Like when the Italians first came over from Italy to Australia, Ligon Street was sort of where they are. Uh, they got together there and they they did their their underground casino kind of stuff in the in the basements of, of some of these Italian restaurants. And that's where some of these got. Like there's been a couple of murders. There's been a couple of shootings. There's been a couple of. Uh, there's just been a couple of uh, really interesting scenarios take place there. But uh, these are. These are the people. This guy's this guy's old school. He's the one who's still he's still rocking around Spain. I can't remember if it said he was Spanish. Was he Spanish? A Sicilian. That's Italy, isn't it? Sicily. That's a isn't that like an island or, or something off off Italy? Oh, that's Sardinia. Now I'm getting myself confused. I'm not hundred percent sure. He'd be pissed though, I reckon, because if you've been on the run for twenty years and then this fairly recent technology is able to be used to be able to uh, to be able to spot you, that's it's almost cheating, isn't it? Because uh, there's certain things I use I use uh, Google Street View for. Like I, when I used to live in um, London, I tied my bike to a uh, it was just to a pole at the front of our house. And Jesse said, "Babe, you're gonna need a stronger bike like than that because because London's got a reputation apparently for having a lot of bikes stolen." I said, "Sweetie, honestly, like I don't know if it's just good luck or what. I've never had anything stolen. I don't think it's gonna start today." No joke, I bought this bike, 200 pounds, got the bike lock, tied it up, um, went outside the next morning. Somehow the bike lock, it had just been busted, put back together, tied on, the bike was gone. And I, I had to do the humble, like the walk of shame back inside. I was like, hey, sweetie, man, you're so right. You're, uh, I'm really impressed with you. You've, you've, nailed, you've nailed what you thought was going to happen. She goes, babe, did your bike get stolen? I go, it did, actually. You are 100% right. In that situation, like telling your wife how right she was doesn't have the same effect as in a situation where it's something that she can be really proud of being right for. But I use Google View now because if I if you type in 154 Tufnell Park Road in London, all right, get out the front of Tufnell Park Road, you're gonna see like a little bike lock. You're gonna see a little bike rack. Have a look, there's still a black bike chain on there. That's mine, it's been there since 2017. I'm not hunting refugees. I'm just, I'm just looking at places to get sentimental. So what I'm saying is, um, I don't know if you're a if you're a mafia guy, careful out there, because there's people there's people who enjoy just having like a little bit of a social wander, a little a little stalk on their old streets, and uh, I don't know, especially if you've got a scar on your chin, you've got to be more careful than that. You've got to be able to cover up your scar because if you've got a distinctive feature, um, and someone sees that on Google Maps, you're, you're going to be in trouble. I don't really have any distinctive features. I used to have a I used to have like a dot. Which was it was like a little cyst. My wife waxed a, a, my monobrow when we first got together because she said it wasn't attractive, and she made the wax so hot that it sort of pulled off a bit of skin. And I think there must have been like a pimple or something under there, and then uh, it's pulled off the pimple as well and the top layer of skin. And when it's healed, it's healed as like a big bump, and it was it was almost like a cyst. This is the only thing that I can think uh, could have caused it. So I went into the uh, yeah the plastic surgery for women. I think I might have told you this before. I went into the plastic surgery for women here in Melbourne. Not sure why. 
um, sitting there with ladies with quadruple Ds and lip jobs, and I was just there to uh, just looking at the floor, trying not to make eye contact because I had a dot on my head. But um, I mean, it wasn't as distinctive as as what a scar would be. Did you hear about the bloke? There's another. Uh, there's a. <laughs> listen to this one. There's a man kicked off a flight for wearing woman's underwear as a face mask. <laughs> this is this is my favourite part of COVID because obviously in certain situations face coverings are required. But what I love is people aren't as worried about the actual health. Oh, I still, there we go. Sorry, I cut out for a second. People aren't as worried about the actual health impacts of, uh, of, of not having a mask on as much as they're keen to see that you're following the rules of having a mask. Uh, down here a couple of weeks ago, there was a coffee shop. They wouldn't serve you unless you had a little blue mask on. Um, a lady rocked up there with like a full towel wrapped around her head. There was no sal saliva getting out of her face. It was going nowhere. And uh, she wasn't able to uh, to order a coffee because she had the wrong thing around her face. So I love it when people take the piss because there's a fair, there's a fair, well, it depends. I, I personally have no idea what I'm talking about, but I've heard a fair few people talk about how there's uh, <laughs> there's not really any evidence for, for these face masks working. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But when people take the piss out of the rule, it makes me so proud. So Adam Jenny was ordered to disembark the United Airlines flight uh, following his stunt, which he suggested illustrates the absurdity. Okay, so he was making a uh, he was making a point: the absurdity of having to wear a face covering on a plane until reaching the cruising altitude. That doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> like the idea: if you're gonna have a face mask on, you have to leave it on for the whole flight. Honestly, I think if there's one place where I can understand the requirement to wear a face mask, it's probably on an aircraft where you're in a cylinder with, say, say you're on there with like 120 other people. Uh, you're in a so-called pandemic with everyone coughing and spluttering. And, uh, but apparently, yeah, you only have to wear the face covering until the, until the plane reaches a cruising altitude. That is fantastic. So he's got like a little red G-banger on his face, which is a... I mean, that's a success in any scenario. If, you, if you've managed to get a G-banger hanging off your face, you're either a rock star or a great prankster. Uh, in the footage taken by another passenger and shared widely online, Adam Jenny can be seen wearing a pink thong over his face as he sits in the seat before the flight from Fort Waterdale to Washington took off. A flight attendant can be heard saying, you're gonna have to come off the plane. Uh, we're not gonna let you travel. Mr. Jenny from Florida. Of course he's from Florida. That's where all the conservatives live. Of course he's taking the piss. I kind of like it. It's a sexy little thong as well. Uh, the man from Florida can be then heard asking why. And as the staff member replies, you're not in mask compliance. But that's the thing. There's no, I bet there's nowhere in mask compliance that says you can't have a G-banger on your faces as, uh, as, your, as your protection. The 38-year-old's removal from the plane can then be... Uh, Plane then can be seen to spark a show of support from other passengers, with several reportedly getting up to leave. Wait, what the heck? So people have seen this bloke with a G-banger on his face, he's been kicked off the flight, and then other people have said, oh, well, if, if he's off, I'm off. One can be heard saying, did he just get kicked off for wearing a mask? <laughs> okay, I'm out of here. Forget it, I'm out of here. That's... To be honest, though, that like who's learning anything from that particular scenario? If you're another plane, I understand what they're doing because I would feel like I wanted to protect the uh, protect the people that I was uh, wanting to stand up for. And there's been no shortage, have there? There's been no shortage of, of flight footage of these people getting kicked off the flight for ridiculous reasons. So maybe the passengers are, are trying to make a stand. Um, 
Okay, so he's trying to show the absurdity of the rules. He said, there's nothing more absurd than having to wear a mask until I get to cruising altitude so that I can order Tito's <laughs> by the double and snack on pretzels and illustrating the absurdity of my wearing a woman's underwear on my face sounds perfect. According to United Airlines website, masks should be f- able to fully cover the nose and the mouth, a condition which Mr. Jenner claimed his underwear met. That's well, the truth. That, okay, so based on what United Airlines have said, that he should have just, like if he had had just a standard pair of underwear, he would have been fine, I think. It's the fact that this guy has uh, a G-banger. They're, they're limited to say the least, aren't they? That's the whole point of it. Isn't it just string? And depending how much the front you want to cover, it depends how much. In the 70s, you could go a bit wider with the front because you wanted to cover a little bit more of the... Uh, a little bit more of the surprise little, uh, surprise little, I was going to say bushland going on under there. That was 70s. But these, you see some these days, and they're, uh, they're basically as thick at the front as they are at the back. Like, they're almost going in both gaps. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you, you got to be careful, ladies. If you're wearing a, if you're wearing a, uh, essentially, it just looks like a race rope with one string just tied from front to back. Do you know what I mean? It's not covering anything. You may as well just go out with a belt on, with, if you're going to be honest. Um, yeah, we've contacted the airline for comment, but none's been received. That's fantastic. I think there should be freedom. As long as, as long as you're not break, like if the airline said, okay, well, uh, I think, here's my, here's my take. I reckon if the airline says at the start, look, if you are, if you're going to wear a mask, it has to be this. I don't know that they said that. Rule books are funny like that. My uncle, he went to a casino one year, he, he, um, at the roulette wheel, they were spinning the roulette wheel. At the number, the, the ball didn't land on his number, so he, he got the ball, put it in his mouth, and spat it. This sounds made up, it's a true story. He spat it, it landed on his number. And he was demanding security, hey, give me my prize money, that was the number that I had my money on. And they said, look, mate, you can't be picking up a ball and spitting it onto the table and then get the number and assume that you're gonna get your prize money. He goes, well, just show me somewhere where it says I can't do that and I'll leave. And the guy said, look, there's just, there's, like it goes without saying. It doesn't go without saying because I've just done it. You should technically be paying me because I've just, the balls landed on my number. He didn't get, he got, he got escorted from the casino. He never, he never got his money. But I mean, if you're going to try and hold up some, some rules as an airline or a casino or anywhere for that matter, surely you have to go into the, the finest details to be able to cover your own ass. I think, I think that's fair. Anyway, I respect this guy. I'm going to follow him on Instagram once I hang up because, uh, uh, I just, I mean, I, th- I think you got to, I think you just got to cheer him on. I think you got to cheer him on. What else have we got here? There was one more story that I thought was, uh, that I thought was interesting. What have we got here? That's, um, that's not as exciting as this one. I think this one's good. This one's my, this one's the one I've been excited to share with you. All right. So let, let, let's have a little talk about this. So there's a woman stuck at a blind date's house after a swift COVID lockdown in China. You can't mess with the Chinese still. I'm listening to a book called uh, Three Swans, which is looking at sort of 40s, 50s, it's like 40s to 70s China, the rise of Mao, the cultural revolution, um, is, is what they were calling it. I'm not sure that it was a revolution, but they have this like, they're obviously quite an authoritarian government, which seems to have a bit more, I was going to say a bit more sway than what they do in a place like Australia, but truth is, truth is, government's got plenty of sway over here. But they've, they've called a snap lockdown. She's obviously followed it. 
ghosting was not an immediate option for these two. A woman uh, in Zhengzhou went viral last week when she posted videos on the Chinese social media platform WeChat about how she unintentionally got stuck in a blind date's house during a very sudden lockdown. The Shanghai-based outlet, the paper reported, according to Agents France Press. The woman identified only by her last name, Wang, of course, explained, <laughs> sorry, that's gonna get me canceled. That, that was, okay, but it's a common it's a common last name, do you know what I mean, in, in China. Uh, so the woman identified only by her last name, Wang, it offers good protection, to be fair. Like if you're gonna be recognized by any name in China, go with Wang, because um, I'm gonna guess that there's, there's more than a couple. Explained, she explained in social media posts that she had recently traveled to Zhengzhou ahead of the Lunar New Year. Uh, I'm getting old now. My family introduced me to 10 matches, Wang told local media. Uh, the fifth date wanted to show off his cooking skills and invited me over to the house for dinner. Unfortunately, well, sounds like things didn't go as well as what she was anticipating based on that start to the sentence. During the meal, she discovered that her date's community had gone into a very sudden and swift quarantine due to the surge of COVID-19 cases. She, showed, uh, she told local outlets, uh, on Sunday that she'd been stuck at a date's house for four days. That's awkward as well because I reckon the hardest part of being on a new date is is needing to do a poo. Like, I've been on a couple of dates where I'm like, all right, hey, Tyson, you've only got to hold this for another two hours, all right, and then you can go home, you're not going to have to worry about it, do a poo, when she's left, you're set, do you know what I mean? But the, the idea of being stuck at a date's house for four days, especially, like, assuming the date's gone well, it's still quite a long time because... He might not be a quality time kind of person. He might be the kind of guy who just needs his space. And if you've, I mean, if you're locked there for four days and you've got to start needing to do a poo, that's gonna, it's just gonna chuck a whole nother factor of, of complication in the relationship, I think, than what it would be if, uh, if you'd been together for a while. Jesse, I still remember the first poo I did when Jesse and I had been together. I reckon we'd been dating for about a year and a bit, and I was about to go for a 40 minute easy run. She was about to join me on the bike. And, uh, I could just feel it. We were both at my house, and I thought, well, there's no there's no getting out of this. She's not going home. We're both going out on the bike. Either she's going to see me stop uh, on the run and know that it was a poo based on how long I was in there for, or I'm just going to have to admit it. So I remember going out to the backyard of the house that I was staying in at the time and said, hey, Jess, I've got to do a poo. And uh, no, it's a, it's a fairly normal part of our relationship now. The toilet that we have at this house doesn't flush as well as it should. So, so Jess and I are, are very comfortable with with, with sights and sounds that once were a little bit more confronting to us. That, put it this way, when we first got together, I would never have done a poo in front of her. I would have shat myself on the run and pretended it wasn't me if that was my only option. One of Wang's videos made its way to Duyin, where she expressed her true feelings about the situation. Because we don't know each other very well, it was not so convenient for me to live at his home. I totally agree. I felt a bit embarrassed. The Chinese are quite... Um, they're a lot more polite. I feel like they played their cards a little closer to their chest. What she's saying there, I felt a bit embarrassed. She's saying, like, we had a spicy meal and, and I, had to, I had to do a poo. She says in a video, according to HuffPost translation, she also gave more details about her uh, chemistry with the date. Besides the fact that he, uh, besides the fact that he's as mute as a wooden mannequin, wow. Everything else about him is pretty good. But if they're, if they're as mute as a wooden mannequin, you're, uh, you've got a bit to deal with. China has a zero COVID-19 policy. 
meaning that it sounds like uh, New Zealand, meaning that prompt lockdowns are routinely imposed where in communities when cases of the virus are detected. In late December, the country placed 13 million residents of the northern city of Xi'an in lockdown following a wave of coronavirus cases. In the past week, more than 150 cases have been reported in Jinjiao, global blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's unclear whether Wang is still stuck on what might be the longest and most awkward first date of her life because she has since presumed, uh, removed most of her posts about it from social media. I wonder why she removed that. That's the thing with social media. I fall into that trap as well of, of doing something quite spontaneously and then looking at my decision 20 minutes later and going, that was probably that was probably a little bit unnecessary. I probably didn't need a I didn't need to post that. Um, that's the thing though, that's the thing with comedy. Like you'll you'll sometimes think something's funny and you'll say it and then you'll get some hate and you go, oh gee, okay, I didn't I didn't consider the fact that some people might have taken this the wrong way, but I mean, I don't envy her position. Do you? That would have been that would have been tough. I hope it works out for her. But, but as a betting man, I would assume I'm going to bet that uh, that's the end of their relationship. I reckon once she's locked out, it's just too much in too short a time. I think if you get that much exposure to a brand new date, that I'm not sure what the Chinese are like when it comes to to sex. I know back in the day, this book that I'm listening to, Three Swans, says that um, during the revolution, like when the communists were were trying to establish themselves. I think uh, sexual relationships outside of marriage, even in marriage, a little bit is what I heard, even in marriage um, was, was sort of frowned upon because it was meaning you were taking time and effort to, you know, to, to focus on things outside the regime. So I'm not 100% sure what it's like in China at the moment. Based on the fact there's so many Chinese, that's not a racial slur. That's not, that's not a stereotype. That's just based on the sheer population of China. Like you look at the population of China and you know for a fact that not everyone is committed to the communist regime, if you know what I mean, to, to use a reference from the 60s and 50s, because uh, because there's people getting around now, and I, I reckon some of them are uh, out of wedlock. That's just my assumption based on, uh, just based on percentages. I, I'm going to say that she's, I'm going to say that that's a, that relationship's done. Because the Chinese houses aren't that big either, I don't think. I think there's a, there's a pretty big gap between the rich and the poor is what I understand, and most people, based on sheer population, again, They've got to live in a, a fairly confined space. So it wouldn't be like a, I, I'm guessing it's not like a two-story house with five bedrooms where if the date's just going awkwardly, you can just go away, sit by yourself for a couple of hours. I'm guessing he's living with his, his in-laws, though they wouldn't be home, I don't think. Because to, to have a date, especially a blind date, with... Well, they're not in-laws if they're your parents. With his parents at home, that's just too uncomfortable. I think if I was a betting man, I would suggest, oh yeah, I'm going to bet that they're uh, they're no longer together. I hope it worked out for for Mrs. Wang though. I uh, yeah, I wish nothing nothing but the best for her. Oh, one more thing I wanted to tell you guys. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the Wim Hof breathing method. I've been doing that over at the beach on a pretty regular basis now. So, the Wim Hof breathing method, if you don't know it, is it's it's almost like hyperventilation. So you do thirty or forty deep breaths, like. I'm not going to do all 40 because I'll, I'll get too dizzy. But I do that on a regular basis over at the beach. But if you don't, I'm actually quite dizzy just now. That's the hardest part about it. You get to four or five breaths in. I should have just done one to give you an example of what they look like. You get four or five breaths in and, and you look like you're hyperventilating pretty seriously. And if you don't know what a person's doing, you, you're quite concerned from... I was uh, I was over at our local beach here, just near the dog beach, doing my, my morning routine, 7.30 in the morning. And I was about 33 breaths into my 40 breaths and a lady came up to me and she goes, it's okay, love, it's just a panic attack. <laughs> and I was, 
I was a little bit like, wait, what? What? She's like, oh, you're just having a panic attack. It's all going to be okay. Just slow down your breathing. I said, really? Like, uh, and it's one of those awkward situations because it's such a beautiful lady. She must have, she must have been 80. She was taking time to, to care for me. She goes, I used to have those when I was younger as well, but you just got to learn to control your breathing. I was like, bitch, that's what I'm trying to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> but she was so lovely. I couldn't just tell her that I wasn't interested in her advice. I, I had to say, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And she goes, oh, do you have panic attacks regularly? I said, I, I, I guess I do, yeah, yeah, relatively regularly. She's like, all right, I'm going to lend you a Tony Robbins book. It's going to help you. She goes, do you know what you're actually panicked about? And it's, you're so far into a story at this stage where you can't just backtrack and go, oh, look, I'm not actually having a panic attack. I said, yeah, I'm just quite nervous about going in the water. I didn't want to go in the water. She goes, I've got a Tony Robbins book for you. He's going to help you conquer all your fears. Anyway, no kidding. A few days later, I was down at the beach getting out of the water. She dropped the book in my mailbox. She came past me. And she's like, it's Tyson, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, she's like, you read the Tony Robbins book? I go, I have. She goes, how good is he? It's great to see you conquered your fears. I was like, oh, it's just so awkward because the truth is, like, I've been in that water every morning for, for the last two years. I'm just, uh, I feel like a hypocrite, but I couldn't, I couldn't break it to her that uh, I had no fear of water, that I was just doing Wim Hof. It's too much of an explanation. Anyway, you got to do what you got to do. That's weird. That's just me being too agreeable. I should have just, like, in that situation, I just need to be more honest and go, look, the truth is I'm not scared. I'm not having a panic attack. I'm doing this breathing method called Wim Hof. But she was so lovely. She was so caring. She was so concerned about my welfare that I couldn't tell her um, that it wasn't what it, what she thought it was. I, I wanted her to feel as though she was right and the good deed that she had done had, had gone checked. I wanted her to feel as though she had uh, she'd done something special in her day. Do you know what I mean? I wanted her to feel like she'd done something significant. Like the bloke who dropped off a bag of icy poles to me when I had barley belly and I was stuck in London stuck in Darwin for three days. Like I told you, my wife and I, we didn't have sex until we got married. And uh, that was on our, it was just before we went on our honeymoon, but the honeymoon was a honeymoon, do you know what I mean? And we were on the honeymoon and it's awkward when you're newly married and you're a Christian couple and you've, you've, you know, you've been restraining yourself for, for a couple of years, all you want to do is it. But when your husband's got barley belly, he's coming out of the bathroom because he's just shat himself. He's got the worst diarrhea you've ever heard, seen or smelt. It's, uh, I mean, it, it puts a limit on how much of the action you really, you really want to get. Especially, we, um, we weren't staying in the biggest place. And, and I tell you, I was glad, I was lucky that we got over the, uh, the fear of pooing around each other by that stage. Because I tell you, we, I, I broke a number of records on that trip. I, ate, I drank pineapple juice, not for any newlywed kind of reasons, but just because I'm a big fan of pineapple juice. And I, uh, I was drinking this at the airport. We were, we were literally... A, um, so I had a bit of barley belly all through the week, but the worst, it was just before we were about to get on the plane, had a pineapple juice, had a cube of ice in it, and I reckon uh, like almost immediately my tummy was like, oh, you've stuffed that, mate. Like you're in, a, you're in a real pickle. So we got on the plane, and half an hour later, I was spewing my guts up. We, were, we landed in, Mo, uh, in Darwin. We were supposed to be there for two hours. I was, I've never been that sick. I had, to get the, uh, I had to get these quarantine people on the plane and they had to uh, make sure everyone stayed on the plane until they found out what I had in case it was some weird viral infection that I just spread. So it was quite intense. I had to get wheelchaired out of the plane, which was, uh, which was, it was kind of embarrassing, but also felt like a bit of a rock star. It was like a rock star meets a very old man that couldn't work to the, uh, walk to the front. But anyway, we were in Darwin for, for three days and... Uh, I don't know why I started that story or where it was going, but that is what happened. But we've been gone for 59 minutes, 31 seconds now. We've covered some serious stuff here today, from tequila to a wife uh, to a dog stuck in mud to knickers on the face, Wim Hof on the beach. 
Guys, I hope you have a beautiful week. I'm going to the aquarium with my little boy on Wednesday. Show him what a shark looks like. He can do this. So I want to show him what he's doing about. He's never seen one yet. Much love, much happiness, much peace. See you all next week. Mm.